0: Welcome to the Glyndebourne Podcast. I'm Katie Derham, and for today's podcast, we journey to Russia in the 1820s, the setting for Tchaikovsky's tale of love and loss, Eugen Onyegin, which is being performed as part of the 2014 Glyndebourne Festival. It's on a country estate that a meeting between the opera's heroine, the young Tatiana Larina, and its posturing anti-hero, Eugen Onyegin, will seal both their fates and leave sorrow in its wake. Tchaikovsky's picture of the provincial everyday and of the upper-class mores of Grand St Petersburg society was drawn almost verbatim from one of the great works of Russian literature, the novel of the same title by Alexander Pushkin. He'd finished the story in 1833. The opera followed, not 50 years later... As Glyndebourne's dramaturg Corey Ellison explains, Pushkin's Eugene Onegin presented Tchaikovsky with both a challenge and an opportunity to put his own spin on it.
1: Pushkin's Eugene Onegin is a novel in verse. It's not even a drama. And in changing this to dramatic form, Tchaikovsky and his librettist Shilovsky eliminate one of the most striking aspects of Pushkin's Onegin, which is that the story is told through a narrator. And not a dispassionate narrator, but a very savvy, cynical, sort of socially acerbic kind of a narrator who uh, really uh, editorializes freely on the characters, on the mores of the time. And what Tchaikovsky gives us is basically just the story. Even though he eliminates this narrator, it, of course, is so enriched by Tchaikovsky's music.
0: Marina Frilova-Walker is a specialist in Russian music and teaches at the University of Cambridge. As she explains, Tchaikovsky finds his own voice with which
2: to tell this story. Tchaikovsky is a different kind of narrator. He deeply, deeply sympathises with his character, especially with Tatiana, who is absolutely central to him. And uh, this, through this moment, he tells us how deeply he cares for her and how deeply we should care for her. There is one moment in the opera which I love. It's before Anigin and Lensky arrive for the first time into the Larin's house. And there is a commotion in the house. They're not quite ready, their dresses are not in order. What we hear in the music, however, is not just commotion. We hear this tremendous anguish and excitement and the great, great climax is built out of this music of expectation. And that climax turns out to sound tragic. This is Tchaikovsky foretelling us the outcome of this fatal meeting between Tatiana and Onyegin. From the first moment we meet Onyegin,
0: Tchaikovsky drives us towards very different feelings for the opera's male lead the swaggering on Yegin arrives with his friend, the poet Lensky, who's Olga's suitor, at the Lawrence estate. He scoffs at its rural location, far away from the amusements of St Petersburg.
1: We hear these sort of extravagant orchestral flourishes. I think they're Tchaikovsky's way of putting back in that cynical narration, telling us he recognises that Onegin is foppish and he's a poser. Richard
0: Stilwell has portrayed Onegin many times, including at the Glyndebourne Festival in 1975. For him, Onegin's character has layers of personality that make him fascinating to play.
3: Onyagin is not a particularly uh, likable fellow, one must say, and uh, he's been greatly influenced uh, by Lord Byron. It all had to do with stance, how one looked. Uh, there was a bit of, uh, as the French would say, ennui, boredom with life. This was the way it was. But this is, I love this role, and even though I know he's not the most sympathetic character, it's a fantastic role to to act
0: It's a classic case of opposites attracting. Tatiana sings that her soul will burn in the fire of love from this moment forwards. In one of the best-known scenes in Eugene Onegin, Tatiana stays up all night writing a wildly passionate confession of her love in a letter to Onegin. In fact, it was this scene in Pushkin's novel that in large part made
2: Tchaikovsky want to adapt the work. Here's Marina Frilova-Walker again. Tatiana decides to put her thoughts, her infatuation, into a letter, breaking every kind of social code. And before that, she chats to her nanny. And it's a kind of, again, it's a trivial conversation. Things are just going on as normal. And the nanny does not realize why does she not want to go to bed? Why does she want to sit at the desk and write? And The moment the nanny leaves, we hear this theme, which is already a love theme, Tatiana's love theme in the music, and that immediately plunges us into the depths of Tatiana's soul. We are now in, inside, inside her mind and um, inside this obsession, this infatuation, which is burning her. This is something that um, literature can't give us uh, with such immediacy. It's only music can.
0: Tatiana writes until dawn, but her letter is in vain, and Anyagin coldly rejects her.
3: Tatiana writes this long letter expressing her love to him, but then he meets with her and says, I'm not made for marriage. He says that I, I could love you, but only as a brother. Pushkin has said that he was touched by Tatiana's letter and when he first comes to her, neither speaks for some time. So so he's not unkind, though, uh, but certainly patronising.
0: It's widely speculated that Tchaikovsky's sensitive portrayal of Tatiana's rejection was the result of, or perhaps a form of atonement for... His actions in his personal life. At the time of writing Eugene Onyegin, Tchaikovsky, who was homosexual, had entered into a hasty marriage with Antonina Milyukova, one of his former students. It didn't even last three months. <laughs> But are we in the audience too quick to judge Onyegin for his dismissive reaction to Tatiana's letter? Might we think Tatiana's heart just too easily given and then broken? For Corey Ellison, there's one aspect of Tchaikovsky's opera that is often obscured, especially when
1: such demanding roles might suggest the need for experienced performers. These are, you know, young people barely out of their teens who are posturing and and acting like people in novels by Byron and Richardson. Tchaikovsky really felt strongly about this. Um, He let the premiere be given by students from the Moscow Conservatory in uh, 1879, and the professional premiere didn't take place until two years later at, at the Bolshoi. And I think Tchaikovsky might have felt that the piece might have been overwhelmed by the grandiosity of a professional opera house, and he he understood the simplicity of it. He called it lyric scenes. You know, he didn't call it an opera proper, um, and you can see why this is. It's so different in texture and scale from so much of Russian opera of that period.
0: This youthful spirit finds its apotheosis in the opera's pivotal scene at the end of Act Two. Tchaikovsky really ratchets up the tension as the act builds towards its climax. At the start of Act Two, Tatiana, crushed by Onegin's rejection, is at the Laren's house for a ball in honour of her name day. Onegin is invited, but grows irritated with Lenski for persuading him to come to a ball where neighbours are gossiping about him. Richard Stilwell.
3: He decides to play a trick on Lenski and uh, starts flirting with uh, Lenski's fiancée. It comes down to Lenski challenging him to a duel. Using
0: the musical form of a canon for the baritone Yegin and the Tenor Lensky, Tchaikovsky portrays the tragic inevitability and strictures of Russian convention.
3: The duel scene is one of the great moments in operatic writing, I think. Once they meet for the duel, Tchaikovsky writes this ingenious little canon where they're both thinking exactly the same thing, only one beat apart, where the music is identical for both. Onyegin and Lensky, with the same words, with only a beat apart. It's uh, both of their thought
1: bubbles as they're preparing to fight each other to the death.
2: Both Lensky and Onyegin are thinking the same thoughts. How come we're now enemies when we were friends just the day before? Should we stop this silliness, you know, she, should we just stop? And uh, for a moment, the the voices merge. They sing together. Should we just laugh? (laughs)
4: And
2: then they say, no, no, this fatal no. Yet,
1: net, no, we can't. It's this crazy honor thing.
3: No, no, it cannot be. The duel must happen. Pride and convention demand it. When I did this in Glyndebourne, my dear friend Ryland Davies was Delensky. In one of our performances, at the moment of the shot, the hard paper wad that is expelled from the pistol upon firing, hit him squarely in the middle of the forehead. When, I, when you know I came to him at the, at, after the curtain came down and I saw this red mark on his forehead, I went, "Oh my God, that could have put his eye out or done serious damage." So obviously that had to be addressed. <laughs> Tchaikovsky, once it is determined that Ljenski is dead, he unleashes this torrent of music indicating Onegin's remorse and anguish. It's, it's fantastic outpouring of, of love, compassion, all those things that he must feel at that moment.
1: I think that's perhaps the closest we get to an authentic emotion from Onegin, and you, you do feel for a split second that he's actually feeling something, and then what does he do? He runs from it, he runs away.
0: Several lonely years have passed for Anyagin following the duel. The provincial girl from the backwards of that village in the steppes, to use Anyagin's words, has grown into a beautiful, sophisticated woman who's married the rich nobleman Prince Graemin. Across the ballroom of their grand St. Petersburg home, Anyagin spots Tatiana and, in a reversal of roles, falls madly in love with her.
3: At the end of the opera, and when he sees Tatiana. Uh, Everything is unleashed. And this music is driven with a passion we've not heard from him. For for the Onyegen, this is uh, certainly the most challenging scene. Uh, His uh, newly discovered passion must burst forth with such uh, urgency and wildness that it really must be almost dramatically frightening. ¶¶ Onyagin declares his love with the same music, or some of the same music, that he had heard from Tatiana. <laughs>
1: But is Onegin sincere? Corey Ellison and Marina Frenova-Walker. I think what Tchaikovsky is showing by having Onegin repeat verbatim Tatiana's music from the letter scene is, you know, it's so terribly unoriginal of him. You kind of wonder throughout... Who is this character, really? Who is this Anyegin?
2: From that music, we can never gather uh, completely whether Anyegin is sincere or where he is really just attracted to Tatiana's social standing. And he's not really in love with her. And Tatiana actually has trouble believing him as well.
3: Onegin's spirits are lifted when he hears that Tatiana indeed is still in love with him. He thinks then that there is some hope, but she says, no, I could never stay. And so there's this roller coaster of emotions that I think is, is wonderful. It's fantastic writing.
0: end to a love story doomed from the start,
2: but Tchaikovsky's Eugene and almost ended very differently. Tchaikovsky actually contemplating ending the uh, the opera in an embrace, um, which of course would vindicate the idea of romantic love. At the same time, it would it would really be a betrayal of what Pushkin wanted to say and how he built up his character of Tatiana, and even a betrayal of. Tchaikovsky's own Tatiana, I think, because if, if you if you think about this ending in terms of Pushkin's very realistic setting, which Tchaikovsky basically follows, this this ending, this romantic ending, would not have worked, and um, Tchaikovsky understood that and left Aniagan standing there as Tatiana walks away.
3: Yagen is left alone and they to cry out, Disgraced anguish, O oh my pitiable fate, In the Russian its Pazor, Taska, O Jalki Jriebimoi
5: Z
0: The music you've been hearing in this podcast was taken from the Decca Classics recording of Eugene Onegin, performed by the Orchestre de Paris, conducted by Semyon Bishkov.